and TKOs, we are live, episode 21, uh, coming at you on this beautiful Friday afternoon. This will be out on Saturday. Apologies for the delay. Uh, just had a crazy weekend in LA watching the Steelers beat the Rams, and my voice was literally shot until yesterday. So here we are, a loaded MMA show to talk about, recapping UFC 294, um, and just talk about news in the MMA world. Um, we have the Tyson Fury and Ganu fight, as well as ADCX1, uh, the grappling recap. Um, but yeah, as I sit here on this beautiful Friday, my voice is still a little hoarser. It had been gone a little bit. I think uh, I've been doing Sober October. Uh, I used that weekend as a cheat weekend. I wasn't going to go to LA for the game Sober. I think a mix of drinking over the weekend and just screaming and yelling with my terrible towel and having an amazing weekend, my voice is just <clears throat> a little rough. But uh, one hell of a weekend. First time driving from Phoenix to L.A. Really wasn't that bad. Saw some crazy shit on the highways of L.A. as you would expect. Um, only California, you see these types of things. There's a truck where the drive line. And the front was off kilter from the back. So when he's driving forward, it looks like he's angling. And everyone driving around him was freaking out. It was hilarious. Um, getting into L.A., we stayed in Santa Monica. Kind of dropped the ball. Wish we would have gotten tickets to USC, Utah. Once we got in about 2, 2.30, the game was at 5. Tickets were $32, 100 level. But we had an 8. We've been in the car all day. And with L.A. traffic, getting around is tricky. Uh, was ex expected to be an hour drive for 12, 12 miles from like the UCLA campus to where we were to USC. So we just spent an evening going on the Santa Monica Pier, bar hopping, having a good time. Headed to the stadium early. Uh, we were part of a Steelers tailgate that had a Le'Veon Bell appearance. Got to chop it up with him. Had him sign my terrible towel. Walking around SoFi early before the game. <clears throat> a tour bus with Montana plates pulled over. Like, what the hell? Montana plates? Probably registration purposes. And Ice Cube and his son came out. They had hinted that you should stay in your seats during halftime. I figured he'd be the halftime show. Got a, a photo with him. That was cool. Him and his son had a cool halftime show. The stadium was phenomenal. Uh, again, majority Steelers fans, probably 60-40 in the stadium. Every time the Steelers did something, it sounded like a home game. Uh, a pretty solid Steelers game for the sake of where the Steelers are today offensively. TJ Watt doing what he does, DPOY type-ish. And uh, it was just a great experience. That stadium, best in the business. Um, it's kind of like open air, but not. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting setup that they got. Uh, I was checking out Inglewood, the forum, that area. Never been there before. So one hell of a weekend. Had a great time. But enough of that. Let's talk MMA. So uh, a few fights that have been booked. We got Mike Mallett, uh, Neil Magny, UFC 297. I'm sure he'll be a main card uh, fight here in Toronto as it is in Canada, his home country. We have Josh Emmett, Giga Chikadze, UFC 296. I said that on Matchmaker Monday. That's a certified banger. Happy that got booked. An amazing Lightweight fight, we have Benil Dariush taking on Arman Sarukian, December 2nd. 
but they'll try to get back to defend the top of the division against a very, very good young up-and-comer. We got Bobby Green, Dan Hooker. We figured that would be the fight. Certified absolute scrap, man. What a fight that's going to be. We have Phil Haas back in looking to get the winning momentum going against power striker Bruno Ferreira, January 13th. That should be a great stylistic matchup as well. And then when Dana White puts out these videos at random times of the night, it's either going to be a bunch of bangers or some bad news. Um, brutal news is John Jones uh, basically tore his pec. Uh, so he is out against the fight with Stipe Miokic. And insert the new interim heavyweight title fight, Sergey Pavlovich, Tom Aspinall. And, you know, John Jones, one of my favorite fighters of all time. I think he's the GOAT. I just feel like as fight fans, we missed a majority of his prime in his career. And that's just, that's devastating, really. Could you imagine if we saw five, six, seven more John Jones fights, the chaos that would have pursued. And uh, yeah, it's just like, he finally comes back. He barely has to fight against Cyril Gaon, which is props to him. Great game plan, way to execute. But it was kind of like blue balls for fight fans. I was excited. It's like, yeah, that's how it ends up. And you figure with the Stipe fight, it's going to be an all-out war. And uh, not to, to you know slander these guys' names, two of the best in the business. Stipe may be a, a greatest heavyweight of all time. But we're getting two savages, absolute brawlers in their primes. The two scariest men in the heavyweight division, if you ask me, going at it in their primes, man. I mean... We're not breaking down the fight yet, but let's uh, let's look at this a little bit. I, I believe they're both like young 30s. So Tom Aspinall, 30 years exact. Sergey Pavlovich, 31 years old. I mean, come on. I, I do think this actually ends up being the better fight. So short notice. Tall order, Tom, big parrot balls taking this fight. I'm psyched. I can't wait. I have uh, my friend coming in from Seattle, somewhat of a fight fan, football fan for the weekend. We're going to watch the fights. Probably have a couple brewskis. And uh, that weekend, I was going to go see, I'm, I'm rocking the Wyo today. was going to go see the Wyoming football team, who's been solid, man, uh, looking to, to get a big-time bowl game this year. Play UNLV, who's on a surprising run in Vegas. See Raiders Stadium again. But he's coming that weekend. He's a priority over a Wyoming game. Um, but I'm excited for that fight card regardless. MSG, towards the end of the year. Uh, I think the the new main event, um, Yuri Prashaka and Alex Pereira, debatably could be fight of the year. Like This thing could be... You just think about it. Phenomenal. So I'm super stoked. And then with the short notice fight, um, supposedly it was Jared Cannonier that was offered the Sean Strickland fight first. Um, but he declined because he tore his MCL. Brutal for the killer gorilla. That would have been one hell of an option. And uh, Sean Strickland saying Chimaev doesn't deserve the title. Dana says he is getting the title. I do expect him to get the title. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but interesting how that played out. I think it was Jared and a couple others that got options first. 
And then Walt Harris suspended for a positive drug test. So him and Daniel Rodriguez are off the UFC roster. That's due to suspension um, to be determined on what their future holds, but they got to deal with the suspension first. But the UFC does have Ashley Yoder, who just returned and took an L off the UFC roster, and they decided not to re-sign Jennifer Maya at the end of her contract. Um, solid top five, top ten contender in the best division in women's MMA for years, and she's not getting her contract renewed. You know, that's, that's brutal stuff. I do believe there was one more fighter. Yep. So uh, we'll talk about this guy's fight, but... Mike Breeden also not getting his UFC contract renewed after his spectacular fight and finish. Uh, brutal for him. But um, elsewhere in the world of MMA, BKFC announces a banger of a main event, a bloodied main event. We get Mike Perry, the BKFC poster boy, taking on Eddie Alvarez, who had a great BKFC showing December 2nd. Also on the uh, card, a plethora of ex-MMA UFC talent. We got Ben Rothwell, who's been dominating BKFC. We got Jeremy Stevens taking on Jimmy Rivera. I mean, these are going to be awesome fights. I'll be tuning in to BKFC December 2nd. Speaking of which, I need to make sure that's on my calendar right now because I do not want to forget. First weekend in December, BKFC. Let's go. Uh, we also had the ADC or ADXC1, the big Abu Dhabi grappling tournaments that they're putting on uh, consistently now, new promotion. We had Neiman Gracie in the main event defeat Benson Henderson via armbar. So uh, Hendo trying to do his thing against uh, uh, Gracie did not prevail. But uh, UFC stud Marvin Vittori does get a victory against Tariq Suleiman via decision. And then... Marcin Held defeated Guram Kutataladze, another active UFC fighter via armbar. I did not get to see these, um, but I did want to see Guram grapple, so I might look up, try to look up that video because um, I'm interested to see the potential he has. He's a technical fighter, and uh, if he can add some good grappling, watch out. But the only real event that's going on this weekend in the world of in martial arts, we got the... You know, the battle of some of the baddest men on the planet. Tyson Fury, Francis Ngannou. 11 a.m. is on ESPN Plus pay-per-view in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, I'll definitely be going to a sports bar that's getting it. Watch it. It'll be worth watching. Ngannou plus 700 with the power of Thor in his hands. Might be potential to sprink a couple Dolores on uh, Francis Ngannou. But I'm excited for this. I do think Tyson Fury um, keeps Francis at range and just pieces him up. His movement's too good that he won't land the power punch. He does have the experience with Deontay Wilder. Mighty Mouse Demetrius Johnson put out a vlog. He does think is going to get the finish. Work that body, work that body, find that big shot up to the head. It, it really is going to depend on the training. You've seen some of these guys, this YouTuber, celebrity boxing not really put in the effort and we all kind of get clowned on how it goes i don't think francis is going to do that he's in his prime this is a big opportunity for him but i really don't think the francis is going to win i think uh fury gets a late round finish i believe this is probably hmm, i should look this up before probably 10 rounds 
Let's see. Yep, 10 rounds. So if Nganu can land 10, last 10 rounds with Fury, I'd be massively impressed. Or if he doesn't shut his lights off beforehand, I guess. But enough of that. Let's break down UFC 294. When I was preparing my script with my voice completely gone on Monday, Tuesday, I was thinking that UFC Fight Night Sao Paulo was this weekend, but there's a weekend off. So all we are going to be doing is pre, pre or recapping the Abu Dhabi pay-per-view, UFC 294. I went 5-2 in picks. I should have picked a couple more fights, ended up not. The, the people I would have picked got some wins, but I went 5-2. and two, So 107-67-1 and 67 and one with bows and TKOs, 21 episodes in. That's plus 40. I mean, can't be too mad about that, right? So some good fights we did not break down. Shara Magomedov with a unanimous decision over Bruno Silva. I was watching fights the entire way to LA, man. It made for a good road trip on the way over there. Shara Megomedov is a striking savage. He is going to have to work on his grappling. Bruno Silva getting some easy takedowns in this fight, but completely dominated. Even when Bruno was on top, he had some nasty ha- like side punches and hammer fists from his back. Um, there was the moment where he was in guard, posted up on his hands, and had a kick that, that connected with Bruno at the end of the round. I mean, this guy just is a fighter. I'm glad he's in the UFC. And to come in and get a win over a veteran power striker as well, such as Bruno Silva, is massively impressive. And obviously, people are already read, you know, high on him as he was the, the Vegas favorite for this fight. So watch out for the future of Shara Megamedov. He looks violent. He's a savage. Uh, uh, should be a good time. And then we broke the news about the th- – this was just out today – the sad news about Breida not getting extended by the UFC. But what a performance. Round 3 to TKO over Anshul Jubilee. This is one of the fights I got wrong. Jubilee, the uh, road to the UFC champion or tournament winner to get his spot from India. Looked great. Um, outpaced Mike for two rounds. First round really put it on. But Mike literally is a dog. Come round 3, Jubilee, I think, was just getting tired out, out a little bit. And Breeden was coming on stronger, literally barking at him in the fight like a dog. He's like, like Jubilee just did not know what to do. He was frozen. I'm assuming a lot of it was exhaustion. And Mike was like, come on, barking at him, pushed at him, and and really put on a good finish to get a round three TKO. And uh, really did that after a round and a half of beating. You know, Rocky Balboa'd the fight, so to speak, and showed him what a real three-round fight is like. And I wish he could have continued in the UFC, but I'm sure he'll find a spot somewhere. Great performance by Mike Breeden. We'll kick it off in the prelims. The other fight I got wrong that I'm very upset about still to this day. No, not really, but uh, my guy should have won this fight. We had Muhammad Naimov with a unanimous decision over Nathaniel Wood. And Nathaniel Wood was just not active as he usually is. I don't know if it's the travel to Abu Dhabi, didn't get there soon enough, jet-lagged, or what the heck the deal was. He did not look like the Nathaniel Wood that's been on a winning streak and looks like he should deserve top 15 opponents. And you do have to give credit to Muhammad Naimov. He's a solid fighter. Um, you know, I was hesitant to pick Wood here, but figured he'd get the shot done. Naimov just wanted it more. He was hungrier. He was more aggressive. He put out the volume. And um, really controlled two rounds, although there was a lot of discrepancies. He had multiple fence grabs where he almost got taken down throughout the fight. 
multiple groin shots. And uh, Nathaniel Wood has said that he also was g- grabbing his gloves, which I did, I did not see. I have not watched the fight back. So Wood has petitioned or appealed the fight result. We'll see what happens with that. I doubt anything happens. But there was enough things to get a point deduction. But still, uh, Wood could have lost that fight. I mean, uh, Naimov easily won round one and two. Round three, Wood finally came in in desperation mode. In the last 30 seconds, had Naimov down, almost finished him. And he only just had a couple of grounded pound shots. The ref was right there. If he would have just poured it on, he would have got the finish. But as a fan watching, you know, he's also in the 15th minute, 14th minute of a fight. He may not had enough left in the gas tank. He'd been taken down and grappled with a lot of the fight as well. So hard to say, but Wood was oh so close to getting the finish. Um, and uh, yeah, brutal, brutal day for, for Nathaniel Wood. Big win for Naimov. Statistically, Wood landed 70 total strikes, 50 of which were significant. He had two takedowns and seven attempts. And Naimov landed, let's see, 100 total strikes, 48 of those significant. He had four takedowns and nine attempts. So uh, a lot of takedowns got shucked too, so props to Wood there. Um, And he had a reversal. So Muhammad extends his winning streak to five. He is now 2-0 in the UFC. Wood ends his three-fight winning streak and starts a new losing streak. I would love to see Nathaniel Wood get matched up with Damon Jackson right now. I think both of those guys have been a little up and down, have shown potential. Both of these guys hungry to get you know back on the winning track. I think that's a fantastic fight. And for Hamid, how about Hakeem Dawudu? I think that would be an awesome scrap as well. Either way, we'll be tuning in for these two on their next fight. Now, that started with a little bit of cheating. You know, Shara Megamedov, that Mike Breeden fight really got things off good. The Wood fight was kind of sketchy. And then things get really interesting as Javid, uh, Javid Basharat had a no contest against Victor Henry, which ended in round two to an accidental groin shot. And the, the round one, I mean, I was excited for this fight. This is a, another prove-it opportunity for Javid, a very solid fighter that I, I, I thought was going to really shine here. And in the first round, it was a lot of, you know, feeling each other out. Both guys landed a good amount of, of strikes. It was looking to be a crazy kickboxing back and forth. But Javid seemed to barely graze the cup and mostly hit a leg on a strike. There's lots of back and forth. I'm not a judge with the rules here, what could happen, like it should be. A Javid finish or, you know, win due to uh, him actually hitting the leg. But Victor was down for the five minutes, clearly was not interested in in, in continuing the fight. I've had a a shot in baseball where I had my cup, the ball bounced and barely grazed the back of my nutsack by my taint, which, you know, that's there for a reason, nothing's supposed to hit, barely touched it. Worst... I was down on the field for a fat minute, like probably a good five minutes plus. And I was young at the time. You know, this is a grown-ass man. Some of those strikes, that's all it takes. It, it, it clearly was serious. Victor went back to the locker room. He was throwing up. They took him to the hospital, and, and he tweeted about still recovering, you know, this week. So uh, clearly, you know, all it takes is a little bit. Bummed that the fight happened that way, uh, but it is what it is that's fighting for you. Um, obviously not fun on a, on a massive card that everyone's hyped about. Took the, the air out of the arena a little bit. 
So statistically in the first round and change, Javid landed 33 total strikes, 30 of those significant. He had one takedown and four attempts. So good takedown defense by Victor. Victor landed 30 total, 25 significant, was 0 for 1 in takedowns. So pretty similar statistics through that time. And like I said, they were pouring on leg kicks for sure. Uh, but now um, J- Javid stays undefeated. Victor stays on his one-fight winning streak. The no contest does not add to that. And what's next? I mean, I, I think they need to just rebook this fight as soon as possible. Maybe even in November, a fight night, something. I have no idea, but th- th- let's just get this fight back on track. And then the prelim headliner, this one showed out. We had the young stud, Muhammad Makayev. Makayev with a round three submission, my favorite submission, the arm triangle choke over the veteran Tim Elliott. Muhammad, welcome to the top 15, the top of the flyweight. Here's the 50G bonus as well. And, and the crowd was loving it. He's in Abu Dhabi. Um, this was a scrap. This was a moment. There were moments where Tim was out grappling Muhammad, you know, who's, who's only, I think, just turned 23. Tim's like one of the most OG guys in the flyweight division, fought anyone and everyone, is on a winning streak, reinvigorated, and uh, definitely gave some learning moments to Muhammad. Good striking, good mix of takedowns. Muhammad would get the takedown. He'd get the reversal. But things got interesting in the second round. Tim seemed to have a deep triangle in, and Muhammad knew that his only chance to get out of it without being, you know, slept or having to tap was picking up Tim and slamming him. Tim then said after the second round, I got flashed, which means he, he kind of got dazed out or, you know, he, 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 he kind of just got cleaned up, slept for a second, woke back up during the fight. And uh, that's tough on you going into round three because I thought he won round one. Round two was looking good until that moment. Uh, pretty even round. And round three, Muhammad just shined. Uh, statistically for the three rounds, Tim landed 71 total strikes, 30 of which were significant. Uh, he did have a takedown and two submission attempts. And Muhammad landed 118 total, a lot more in the third round, only 14 of which were significant, so a lot of just touchy stuff while on top con- uh, up on, on top control. And he had three takedowns and six attempts, 50%. You can't ask for more against another grappler and that submission attempt as well. So Makayev stays undefeated. He is now 5-0 and in the UFC. He moves down one spot in the rankings to number 10. And Tim ends his two-fight winning streak. He does start a new losing streak. He moves only moves down only one spot to number 11. So Muhammad, uh, he talked about wanting Kaikar of France. I mean, at this point, he's proven enough. If Kai is willing to take that fight, let's make it happen. If not, he might have to fight another one before he gets somebody like Kai. Um, Alex Perez, something like that. And for Tim, how about David Dvorak? Um, a, a guy coming off a loss as well, quality opponent. He hasn't fought him yet. Those would be the fights to make. Great fight, though. You know, I picked Muhammad in, in the back of my mind. I thought Tim was a great underdog play, and it seemed like both of those are valid uh, thoughts. But Makayev, only 23, is going to get better. Watch out, UFC. And then in the main card, we had Saeed Nurmagomedov with a round one submission via guillotine choke over Muin Gafurov. Performance of the night, 50 Gs. And there wasn't a lot to this fight. Uh, mostly Saeed uh, getting a couple different shots landed. 
Muin coming in for a blast double against the cage. Put your neck up, son. Protect your neck. Saeed grabbed that sucker, deep guillotine, and the fight was over. Um, coming from wrestling, doing some jiu-jitsu practice, especially no gi. Jiu-jitsu guys, they know if you're a grappler and you go in with your head down, they are going to be sinking in a guillotine right away. Uh, easiest way to make you second think of giving you second thoughts about trying to go for a takedown like that. Uh, that's why you see a lot of single entries because a double, you have to get in so deep, your neck's, even if your head's up, still liable. So I'm sure that was a good learning lesson for the young Muin. It only took Saeed five total and significant strikes with the su submission attempt. Gafurov only landed one total and significant while going 0 for 1 in takedown attempts. So Saeed ends his one fight losing streak. He starts a new winning streak. He is 4 and 1 since 2022. And he enters the top 15 again at number 15. Muin extends his losing streak to two. He's still seeking his first UFC victory. Tough opponent on short notice. Um, what's next? You know, Saeed's, he's active. He's been doing the thing. He's on a roll. People haven't, you know, given him the, the flowers he's probably deserving, in, including myself. So let's see him fight Song Yedong. Song needs a new opponent. Let him heal up. Saeed's going to be ready to turn around quickly. He's been active. Literally finished this in 38 seconds. Uh, that would be a great scrap, a great test uh, for, for Nurmagomedov. And for Gafurov, how about Dan Argetta, who we just saw recently in a close fight as well. So basically, all the Muslim guys just been dominating thus far. Moving on, we had Ikram Aliskarov with a first-round KO over Warley Alves. Performance of the night, 50 Js. And this was really pretty much what we expected. Aliskarov showing that he deserves to fight better competition and uh, really just outdoing the competition. Worley's a solid vet that's been there, done that, and Ikram was just landing big shots on the fucking bullseye early. Worley couldn't do anything about it. It only took Ikram 26 total and significant strikes with a knockdown, and Worley landed 12 total and significant. So now Ikram extends his winning streak to seven, three of those in the UFC. Alves extends his losing streak to three, and he has not won since January of 2021. So what's next? Uh, I know a lot of people want to see Paula Costa Chemaev. I'll get to the Chemaev instance. I do think he fights for the title. So for that reason, why not just rebook Paula Costa Aliskarov? Ikram's shown that he, he's worthy of that. He's a striker, which should appeal to Paulo. Um, I think that would be the perfect fight, upper-level competition for him. And then the winner of there is basically in a title eliminator fight. And for Alves, if he is still in the UFC, how about Julian Marquez? That would be a great scrap. Then we had more, more chaos. Um, you know, we had the, the groin shot no contest. Muhammad did work. We're excited. Saeed and Ikram took care of business so fast we didn't get to see a lot of action. So we're hyped up for this fight. I mean, stylistically, Megomed and Goliath, Johnny Walker, let's freaking go. And it got to an interesting start here pretty quick. Uh, but Uncle Ayev had Johnny up against the cage, landed a uh, grounded opponent knee. The doctor was checking out Johnny. He asked what country he was in, and he said the desert. With the language barriers and stuff, like, I get that. Um, they called the fight off immediately. Jo you know, Johnny's pissed, pushing people around, like, let's keep fighting. It was just a whole bunch of drama, a bunch of people in the octagon. 
Um, and yeah, the, the crowd was pretty upset. I was upset. I would have loved to see this fight. Uh, clearly, Johnny wanted to walk. I mean, can we just ask a couple more questions, right? Try to help with a non-English speaking dude who's in a fight anyways. Probably jet-lagged. and You know what I mean? Uh, brutal situation. Megomed statistically only got off 16 total and 13 strikes before, with the takedown before the, before the um, incident. Johnny landed 17 total, 14 significant. Uh, so pretty evenly matched. Looked like it was going to be a high-paced fight. Uh, stylistically, I, I was super hyped for this fight. I thought this could get fight of the night. Um, and that happened. I mean, brutal. So just like the other no contest, nothing changes. Uncle Ayev's on a nine-fight winning streak. He did have the draw which I thought he won. And then for Johnny, he was on a three-fight winning streak, so he stays. Both stay at two and seven in the rankings. Just like the other no contest, let's just rebook this fight. Uh, Megomed seems to be on Twitter like Johnny wanted out of the fight, doesn't want this. It's hard to say. I mean, Megomed, I thought, was going to, you know, look like he was probably going to be on his way to win, but Johnny with that length and power, you never know. Uh, but I hope they rebook this. I, I think that's the, the right move to make. And then to make all this drama, you know, more intense, let's, let's go to the two short notice bouts here, 12 days or so notice bouts. We had Kamzat Chemaev with the majority decision over Kamara Usman. And for me, this was interesting, seeing both guys at the new weight class. Um, I thought Kamaru, if it would have been a five-round five war, was on pace to, to get a victory. He looked like the fresher fighter. Kamzat, a lot of what you would say is his weaknesses or like, man, this is where a fighter could take advantage of him. We're pretty similar from the Burns fight. He started fading after a, a great first round. Um, he outgrappled Kamaru. I'm not too sure what the, the specifics were there. If Kamaru said he, he was giving him too much credit and needs to trust himself more, whatever that means. I mean, he got outgrappled. Chimaev was, was ruthless with the takedowns and, you know, Kamzad even even talked about respecting people's coaches. He respects Usman's team. He was afraid of the game plan that they'd bring in. So he went to the old reliable well of getting takedowns. Now, after the fight, Kamzad said his, his right hand. Let me double check. Yep, he hurt his right hand. He said it might have broken it. That's how bad it hurt. I have not seen updates if that's a valid statement or not. Um, I'm assuming, you know, Kamzad's a, a blue-collar guy. We learned a lot about Kamzat this week, more than we ever had. And uh, if he's going to say his right hand's broken, it's probably messed up. And that could be why he wasn't striking as much. Because Kamaru, when he was striking, was having success. He just needed to get more aggressive, right? Where's the Colby Covington aggressiveness? Where's the first fight of Leon Edwards? I think, you know, we talk about that leg, that head kick knockout. You're a little bit, you know, you don't want to put yourself in that situation again. You don't want to get memed. He was... You know, you, you get put thrown on social media. You can't even surf Twitter without seeing yourself flatline. Like, oh, da, da, da. Um, so I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of that in there. But we're in the fight game. You got to let loose. I'm sure Trevor, uh, Henry Hooft, and those guys are letting them know the same thing. But it's not like Kamzat was massively superior. But that right hand could have played a huge part into it. Because um, he did not strike or have the willingness to strike like he did in the, the Gilbert Burns fight. But props to Chimaev. He did what he needed to do to get a victory. I did think Kamaru won majority of the time in the rounds. But when you win three minutes around one and then 
or round two, and then Chemayev just takes you down and lays on you the rest of the round. You know, those are very 50-50 rounds on how the judges are going to score them. And and mad credit to Usman right away. He gets taken down. He gets his back taken. Uh, and, and Kamzat has two hooks in. If you've ever grappled, you know, five minutes of grappling, I'm gassed. I'm not in the, that guy's, the, you know, professional sports shape by any means. Um, but it just shows you the level of energy that you have to have and stamina to have a guy that's massive had been preparing nutritionally workout um with his conditioning coach and everything to be 185 he's probably walking around at 220 at the fight time or 2 210 probably not saying kamara wasn't i'm I just he took this short notice i doubt he was that big when he might be fighting uh, at uh welterweight still to have a guy on your back for three minutes hooks in defending the rear naked choke that could completely gas someone and clearly it, it affected some of the energy that that Usman had but he looked like the fresher fighter throughout this fight so Kamaru consistently fighting in championship fights for most of his career I think if you give it five rounds he gets the job done but the question mark is that right hand I'm interested to see what the actual injury is on that one that comes out but with Kamzat always being in different areas around the world we might not get that news anytime soon but before I, I, I jump into the stats and things like that, it was just a cool moment to, to see who Chemayev really is. You know, every fighter has an amazing story. This isn't the NFL. This isn't the MLB. A lot of these guys don't grow up rich, choose to beat the shit out of someone for a living, come be a pro athlete, and make a shit ton of money. You know, you don't get the Bryce Harpers and the guys like that. Yeah, I am throwing some shade that way. Um, these guys come up. And usually hate what they're doing or don't have a choice to do anything. And, and they just train. And, and when they train, coaches are like, hey, you want to try this? You want to do this? You want to compete? That leads into one thing to another. And they usually turn into a fighter. You know, maybe it's grappling. You're a wrestler. You're an Olympic athlete. You're really good at Muay Thai or kickboxing like Alex Perheta. And they want to try getting into the, the UFC or getting into MMA. Up, uh, upcoming media week, which, you know, you're the co-main or the main event of these big cards, lots of media that you have to do. So Chemayev was on um, uh, what, 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 just the Nelk, I guess, podcast or Full Send or some shit, um, and a bunch of medias where they asked him about, you know, what it was like in his upbringing. And for me, I'm usually against Chemayev. Um, there's some fighters I, I pick against and, and I don't hate, hate's a strong word. I only hate a few things in sports like the Yankees, you know what I'm saying? Um, uh, the Patriots. I dislike these guys because the way the UFC brings them up. If I'm, if I wasn't living, you know, I'm from Wyoming originally lived in Montana, junior high through uh, college. I could say I'm from both really. That's how I feel. Uh, but being from Montana, um, in Wyoming, we root for the anyone that comes out of there. It's like a hidden gem, right? So that's a big reason I've become a Sean O'Malley fan. Um, seeing him in the gym, you know, high school dropout, great story. Coming out here with a thousand bucks to his name, taking a chance. His coach being uh, another small town Montana kid, figuring it out. Like really, just amazing story. Going to root for him. If it wasn't for that, I'd probably be the biggest Sean O'Malley hater there was. But I'm on the other end of that spectrum. It's like Steelers Ravens. I hate the Ravens. They're a rival, but they play exactly like the Steelers. If I wasn't a Steeler fan, I'd probably be a Raven fan. Uh, but I've been against Chemayev. I've been against Conor McGregor because the way the UFC has promoted them, like they're the biggest, the baddest, and, you know, Kamza acts like he's that. 
But seeing who he is as a real person, living at the gym, basically homeless with just his training gear in his bed, trying to make a lifestyle because he hated his job being a security guard and just being like, what is my purpose? What is going on? Finding the love of the sport. Now he is a massive superstar. He's found an avenue to live the life that he wants. And it's just really cool. And you could see, I can tell why he has such a following internationally. You know, I'm not as up to date as international culture and all these things. Uh, but he's just a blue collar. He's a Steeler football player. Blue collar guy that just tries to outwork everyone. You know, a lot of people let fame and fortune come to his name. He says, I don't care about titles. I really don't care about any of that. I care about just work putting, this is my job. I, I take this seriously. I show up every day. I clock in, I clock out. I'm the best version of myself and I give it everything I have. And I, I love the shit out of those stories, you know. Uh, we haven't heard a lot of that. You know, I don't follow him on social media. Maybe if I did, I would have I would have gotten some of that sooner. But I feel like this was America and a lot of the world. Here is the real Kamzat. And it was cool to hear, you know, his post-fight interview. He could have called out people or said, I smash everybody like he has before. But what's with what, what's happening in the world? You know, he, he, he took a moment to, to shine some light on it, you know, show his humbleness, his gratitude, and just his human nature and his character. And uh, I def he definitely won me over a lot. With that being said, he does still have some holes in his game. It's going to be interesting to see what he, do he does next. But uh, amazing, amazing fight. So statistically, Kamaru landed 58 total strikes, 36 of which were significant. He was 0 for 1 in his own takedown attempt, and it was a really terrible attempt. Uh, Kamza uh, landed 107 total strikes, 38 which were significant. He had four takedowns and 12 attempts and a submission attempt. The one attempt that Kamaru had was at the end of the you know, third round. He's got to go out, go for broke, try to get a, a, a finish, and he kind of just did a shitty, you know, go grab your leg, duck your head down. He's exhausted. Um but I hated in the third round, he opened, you know, he welcomed the grappling with Kamzat. It's like, dude, just continue to strike or piece him up. Go in there, get aggressive, look for the finish. Uh, but, he's, you know, when you're that gassed or that exhausted, you can't always think about those things. You're just, you're just trying to continue to put one forward in front of the foot in front of the next. Regardless, Jemayev stays undefeated. Boars. He, he extends his winning streak to 13. Seven of, oh, uh, or seven of which have been in the UFC. Chemayev enters the middleweight rankings now at number nine. Usman extends his losing streak to three, two to Leon, now Chemayev. He has not won since November of 2021. And I don't think anyone could tell you what the future is for Usman at this point. Uh, he does stay at number one in welterweight rankings. But if I know anything, he is on the UFC matchmaker's good side as he saved this card, him and Alex Volkanovsky. These losses mean nothing to the matchmaker's. Um, they saved their ass with these short notice fill-ins uh, that gave us uh, us fight fans something to think about and a lot of excitement. So what's next for these guys? I do think Chemayev gets Sean Strickland for the middleweight title. I'm sure Dana would love for him to get smashed as the champ so he's not you know, out there doing Sean Strickland things. And for Kamaru, I, I think he takes the biggest fight he can at either weight class. Um, after this fight, I'm sure he would like to stay at welterweight, but you've lost to Leon twice. You've already fought him three times. It's really hard to say. So I think a scrap that makes sense and that would get me fucking fired up. Give us Robert Whitaker. He's also had issues getting back to the title shot. He's getting blocked a little bit. Two guys, some of the best fighters to do it. Champ, champion, non-champion. Let's let them scrap it out. I'm sure these guys would love to take that fight. 
So I'm saying Kamaru Usman, Robert Whitaker, let's make that happen. And then in the main event, first round knockout, Islam Makachev over Alexander Volkanovsky, performance of the night. And uh, I talked about watching film back before this fight. I was like, man, Islam just needs to do more of those kicks. Leg kicks, body kicks, teep kicks. And he was working Alex with those kicks so quick, he got his hands to come down ever so slightly, went up top with that head kick, barely cleared his glove, hit his temple, rocked him a little bit, enough to get on him, get the ref to finish the fight. So not the five-round warfare we were all hoping as fight fans. That's what happens when you have to travel, short notice, you don't really get a game plan. But the interesting thing to me is Alexander Volkanovsky debatably can be one of the best fighters of all time when he retires, all the success that he's had. You know, he's really blown up on YouTube, cooking with Volk and all that. But he talked about on his video blog how he needed a fight because of the mental demons he was battling. That, you know, it's crazy you would think a guy like this who's had so much success of late and dominated everything he's done would be so wholesome mentally his life. But when you have your life scripted, okay, I got this fight, sign on the dotted line. Here's my fight camp. Here's my practice schedule every day. This is exactly what I'm eating every day. And you have that structure. Then when you have six months to 12 months, you know, he had surgery, you can't fight. You're like, what do I do? What is my purpose? What is going on here? And especially when you're, you're so used to crushing the, these routines, it was interesting to, for him to hear that. It caught me by surprise because if I were to guess who is one of the most mentally stable people in the UFC, Volkanovsky, especially with his fight camp and everything, is right there, his family. You know, he's married, he has kids. But sometimes when you're so used to that, you know, it's, it's not that he's depressed or suicidal or anything like that. It's just, you know, we go through mental battles in our lives. I go through them, you know, quite frequently. Uh, I moved to Arizona. I don't know that many people. I work from home. You're in your thoughts a lot, and you could you could get caught in some mind traps, so to speak. So um, I thought it was a very vulnerable moment for Volkanovsky and, and a really open opportunity, and it was surprising. But when it comes to the fight, to be honest, there wasn't a lot to take away besides, you know, Islam went back to the kicks, and he can strike, and he was able to finish one of the best pound-for-pound fighters and probably one of the best competitors he'll ever fight. The sad thing is we might not get this fight again uh, since Volk is 0-2. I would have liked to see him have a clean opportunity with the full fight camp. Um, but Islam's that dude, man. Islam is going to be a freaking problem for, for fighters in the lightweight division. Um, I talked about it on thir- Thursday Thoughts on my social medias, at Bozen TKOs, that's B-O-W-S-T-K-O-S, uh, Twitter, Instagram, or X, I should say. And uh, I said, I think Islam fights two more times at lightweight, then goes up. I know he's wanted to fight champ champ. Dana doesn't seem like he's ready for that. Defend your title a little bit. You got Charles again. Probably get Gaethje. You win those two. I, I could see him going up uh, to, to welterweight, look to get a champ champ status. But statistically, Islam, third or did I go through this? No, I didn't. 39 total strikes, 24 significant, 0 for 1 in takedown attempts with the knockdown. Alex, 11 total, only four significant. So again, we didn't get too far. So Islam extends his winning streak to 13, all in the UFC. He now has two title defenses at lightweight. Alex starts another losing streak, but both of them are to Islam at lightweight, so he's still undefeated in his championship division at featherweight. 
And what's next? I do think Alex, he already pretty much had it officially booked against Ilya, Ilya Taporia for uh, 297 in Toronto. So as long as he's medically cleared, I think that's going to be the situation. And especially with Alex saying that he needs to have fights booked, it's better for him mentally than I would expect that to get done. He's in his prime too. You know, That's one of the things like when you're in, uh, technically a prize fighter, people pay millions of dollars to watch this man fight. It's like, you know gladiator shit when you're a superstar at that level and you're in your prime and you're not taking advantage of every minute you you know the competitor mentality just the fucking dog in you is going to bite at you a little bit like what are you doing you leave a pit bull home all testosterone out he's going to fucking bite some shit and make a mess right you can't you know hold these guys back that's why volk is being so active and doing what he's doing and that's just the dog in him so i expect that to happen and I do think Islam is going to fight Char Charles Oliveira again, the fight that was originally booked. I I'm still excited for that fight, so I'm, I'm assuming that's what the matchmakers do. So, no Sal Paulo this week like I had expected. It is a solid, deep card. I'm excited for that. But that happens next weekend, um, November 4th, headlined by Jaelton Almeida and the knockout king, the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. So that is episode 20. I'm your host, Shane Gillette. See you next week.